Welcome to season two of the Minority League, a podcast looking at minorities in hockey, sharing their stories and histories, and asking why aren't there more minorities in hockey. I'm Anar Birji. And I'm Minashi Mukherjee. And this is the Minority League. Hockey season is heating up with the weather as the teams get closer to the playoffs. The games are getting more intense and there seems to be more physical play causing more injuries. It's a tight race for a wild card spot in the Eastern Division. And frankly, both of us are losing a lot of sanity just following along. Yeah, it's um, a bit of a tough point in the season. And I can't believe that I choose to have the stress of being a sports fan in my life that I'm doing this willingly. (laughs) The thing that I have been enjoying, though, is watching matchups that I'm not as invested in. And I've also enjoyed reading about teams' work in their communities. One of our favorite teams, the Seattle Kraken, continues to make strides with their initiatives. Anyone who's attended a game at the Climate Pledge Arena will be familiar with the land acknowledgement that they do before the start of the games there. They've an established relationship with the Muckleshoot Indian tribe, and they've created a patch that features the tribe's emblem, which will be on the Kraken jerseys starting next season. It's the first time an NHL team will have an indigenous tribe or nation's logo on a jersey. When we spoke with Mari Harita earlier this season, she shared that it is important for the Kraken to foster a spirit of community within their local areas. This initiative with the Muckleshoot Tribe will also include artwork in the arena, the building of a multi-sport court on the reservation, and creation of programs for Indigenous youth. Having the Muckleshoot symbol on the Kraken jersey is kind of revolutionary in the U.S. because it's not the association with Indigenous people that we normally see in sports in the country. Because at levels from the pros to even high schools, it's usually a mascot that stereotypes Indigenous groups. And because the patch has the tribe's name on it, it has the power to nudge people to learn more about Native Americans and Indigenous groups. And um, fun fact that I learned... Um, while doing some research for this episode, was that Chief Seattle, for whom the city is named, was chief of one of the tribes whose descendants formed the Muckleshoot tribe. This episode, we're talking to the Kalamazoo Wings head coach and director of hockey operations, Joel Martin. The ECHL team named him head coach back in August of 2022. He's one of only two Black head coaches in professional hockey, and he's also active in the NHL Coaches Association BIPROC program. What got you interested in hockey? Um, How did you get into the sport at all? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's funny. I was born in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, but born to uh, some young parents that were in high school. So they put me up for adoption um, and a couple of Canadian parents adopted me. They happened to be living in Texas at the time and uh, moved back to Canada when I was still a baby. And um, my mom uh, had some brothers that were into hockey and played hockey herself. And so she got me started in the sport and um, tried to turn me into a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. But thankfully, that didn't stick. Uh, I always like to joke about that. But um, yeah, so got into it at about the age of seven when we moved to Western Canada, uh, Three Hills, Alberta, a small town of about 3,500 people. And uh, that's what almost everyone my age did there. All right. So who's your team then? Is it well, you Edmonton or are you Calgary? <laughs> well, I, I went to the Calgary side. So, um, you know, you can get your jabs in there as well if you want. No, yeah. I mean, I like Calgary. Yeah. Like um, Nazem Kadri plays for Calgary. Yeah, we, I we love, love him. him. And two, two of my best friends actually <laughs> live in Calgary. So they're, they're, yeah, they're obviously big hockey fans. They live in Canada. 
So yeah, no, I mean we definitely have our ups and downs as Flames fans. That's for sure. Yeah, if, if you had said Oilers, there would have been shade, but <laughs> Calgary is the only problem. I'm pretty, I'm pretty friendly with most teams, so yeah. well, I can find something good about almost right. every team. Can you talk a bit about how you um, became a goalie? Yeah, so I started out um, as a player, and I was really below average, um, to say the least. And uh, finally, one day, when it was uh, my turn to go in net, as they often do with the young kids, it just happened to be an area that I I excelled at a little bit. And um, along with that, I found a love for the position as well and fell in love with the goalie equipment and um, just had a knack for stopping pucks. So, um, Fell in love with it. Uh, I guess that would have been at like age 10 uh, that way, maybe nine. Joel Martin became the second black head coach in professional hockey last August. Jason Payne of the Cincinnati Cyclones is the other head coach in the sport. The two have been friends and colleagues for many years throughout their careers. They've now coached against each other a few times. Yeah, I mean, um, we've been coaching against each other now. Uh, with our teams here, respective teams, for the past um, four years. Uh, I think we did uh, a couple as assistants, right? And then he got the head job uh, last season, and then I got the head job this season here in Kalamazoo. So um, it was a humbling uh, experience and game to be a part of. Um, uh, It was an honor, uh, you know, I think just trying to, you know, honor the people that came before us and then, really just thinking about the people uh, that that will come after us as well, you know, uh, and trying to honor those people. And uh, um, I think it was an honor as well to do it uh, with somebody who is a friend, uh, somebody that I've coached with or coached against now for um, quite some time and uh, somebody that I look up to and uh, can call anytime I have any questions or concerns or needs. Um, What's going through your head? Like when you have to coach against a friend like that, (laughs) Yeah, well, it's it's kind of uh, similar to having, you know, a sibling um, um, rivalry that you have going on, somebody that you love uh, off the ice, um, but but you want to do everything you can to beat them on the ice. So um, we kind of put the friendship aside when our teams are facing each other that way, um, but both recognize the significance of what we're doing um, and the awareness that we're bringing to our sport um, which is something I think that we both think is pretty cool and um, are certainly both honored to be a part of. It sounds like the two of you are a support system for each other in a way. Like, can you talk a bit about maybe some specific ways that you might support each other or encourage each other? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we had similar paths in, you know, playing minor pro hockey uh, for a long time, him as a player and myself as a goaltender. And, um, you know, getting into assistant coaching roles uh, at this level Um, and then him moving to a head coaching role and me kind of following in his footsteps, you know? So um, whenever you have somebody that kind of walks the path before you uh, and it's somebody that you can lean on and and ask them questions when you're going into the position, I think um, that's something that's invaluable. And um, yeah, it's, it's awesome to him. uh, Anytime I call to pick up the phone and, be willing to talk me uh, through any kind of things that I'm dealing with now as a head coach. Um, can we talk a little bit about um, the larger support system from from hockey organizations? So 
we were connected to you through Lindsay from the NHL Coaches Association. You know, I think that you're a little, you're involved, you have some involvement with the BIPOC coaching program. Can you talk to us about that? How, how has that been? What is that like? And what does it mean to you? Yeah, I, um, I think it's awesome. You know, the NHLCA has that BIPOC program that I've been a part of uh, since its inception. Um, the Boston Bruins, um, they as well have a diversity um, scouting mentorship program that they've done that I was a part of last year, which was the first year that they did that. Um, so I think it's awesome that uh, organizations, um, the NHLCA, are, are trying to do these things to give opportunities to people like myself, whether it's through networking and learning. Um, I think it's really important um, for our sport to, to keep people like myself uh, or people with diverse backgrounds interested in the sport and giving them, a, you know, a bit of a door or a window that um, maybe they can get a foot in uh, that way and into this world. So, um, it, it's super awesome that these programs are doing this and, and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of those for sure. I think they're doing, um, great things, you know, um, and I think even our, our organization, you know, the Kalamazoo wings are doing great things when it comes to diversity and inclusion, um, with our, uh, rainbow colored ice night and hockey is for everyone. And, um, you know, we have a female general manager and, um, myself as a head coach and all sorts of different diverse backgrounds and sales and ticketing uh, as well. So um super proud to be a uh, part of an organization like that as well. I was just going to say that the rainbow ice um, is something like I've seen it on social media last year and this year when they did it. And it seemed um, so cool. And like, just, it seemed like a um, pretty simple thing that a team could do to promote inclusion and to like say in a very demonstrative way that that's what the team is about and so um it's nice to hear you talking about being proud about that and um i think that you know the team has a lot to be proud of with its work in um inclusivity yeah and and like i said like they they live it too right through um the people that work in the organization so that's the coolest part uh for me uh, it's not just a night where they're trying to sell tickets. Um, you know, they're, they're a program that, that walks the walk as well. So That's really good to hear. Um, I think, you know, you, I sometimes wonder at different organizations, like, okay, they had a, you know, whatever Lunar New Year night or whatever, but what are they doing the rest of the time with that community to engage and to, you know, in, invite them into being more, um, more participating into the sport. But um, so I'm, I'm curious, do you think, I mean, it sounds like your organization is really doing quite a lot and you mentioned a lot of initiatives, which is amazing. Um, do you think in general hockey, like the ECHL and the NHL, like, do you think they're doing enough? Do you think there's more they could be doing? Um, and I'm talking about just both in engaging players um, of all backgrounds, but also, um, you know, audience, you know, fans. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I, I think they, are you know i think that the game has come a long way um at the pro level uh and you talk about even just engaging fans and uh the people that you see on tv you know anson carter and pk suban and um all these guys that that are on tv promoting our sport and talking about it every night um is pretty cool uh as well so um 
you know, I think it's something that's in the forefront right now um, and is getting pushed and, and I think they're doing a good job and, you know, can you always do more? Um, sure. But uh, I think it's headed in the right direction. And, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing we'll know, you know, when it's, when we don't need to do it anymore, or we've gotten to a point, you know, where we're like, wow, there's real change. It's, it's when it's, you know, not a news story, you know, there, there's not all this uh, following. It's just like, Hey, that's a, that's a hockey player. It's not a black hockey player, or, you know, we have a female GM. It's not a female GM. It's a GM. Um, it's not a gay hockey player. It's a hockey player. And uh, that's when we'll know that we've made the change um, and the programs have done their job really, in my opinion. I, I think that's really beautiful what you just said. I, I, I think we would all agree with that. That's uh, so, so well put. Yeah, that was uh, that was terrific. It would be nice to. Well, I mean, we enjoy talking about the history of minorities in the sport too. But it would be nice at some point to not do this podcast, right? Right. <laughs> as much sure. as we love doing it. <laughs> Anar, I'd never heard of the Rainbow Ice Night until Joel mentioned it, and Kalamazoo was not on my radar as a place to visit until we met him. But now I really want to go there, see a game, and experience that event. Yeah, me too. It'd be amazing to see that rainbow ice and to be in the arena that night. Yeah. And most of the changemakers that we've spoken to have also stressed the importance of building community and doing events that are meaningful to the locality. I feel like the Kraken and the Wings are trying to walk that talk. And also, I mean, you know this, I talk about this all the time. I love talking to coaches. I really, really do. They have such great energy. And I always go back to my day job with a bunch of takeaways for myself and my team. I love that. And I think what stuck with me from that part of Joel's interview was the importance of being an ally and also being really proud of that. And that's something that I try to do both at work and also in my community. One of the things that we've talked that, you know, in all the discussions we've had with different people, you know, we've we've talked to like um, Neil Henderson from the Fort DuPont Cannons, um, Alexandria Briggs-Blake from the um, Tucker Road Ice Ducks. You know, one of the barriers to minorities um, kind of entering this world of hockey is is a lot of like cost and equipment, um, things like that. Do you have any thoughts about, you know, um, how that could be more more accessible going forward or, you know, is there? No, I mean, hockey is a rich, rich man's sport. Uh, no question about it when it comes to equipment costs, ice costs. Uh, association costs and I have a nine-year-old in it playing travel hockey right now so um, you know we I feel like we know all about that and we're in a spot where it doesn't even compare to a Toronto you know um, or a Calgary so um, yeah I know uh, there are some programs and I don't know the names that will donate equipment I know there are some companies that donate full um, full equipment uh, head to toe as well for players so um, yeah, I think cost is something for sure that, uh, keeps low income families, uh, which typically happens to be minority families out of hockey. Um, I mean, in that sort of vein, do you think that there's, that the, um, pro hockey leagues or, um, could be doing more to try to address cost or, or maybe even, um, like companies like Bauer or the other companies that make hockey equipment could do more to try to address this inequality yeah and i don't know uh which companies do offer equipment you know but i know there are that some so that's something that i would look into 
um, for sure, if I was somebody that was interested in playing hockey. Um, but yeah, can there always be more done? Yeah. So if somebody wants to play, they can play for sure. But like you said, or as, like I said earlier, you know, it doesn't just come down to, um, the hockey equipment either, like renting ice, you know, in Kalamazoo, Michigan is like $300 an hour. And that's nothing when you go to Canada and Toronto, um, I don't know the cost, but they would laugh at that $300 an hour, you know? So, um, there, there's certainly, um, something to look into and something that could be, um, hopefully done one day to bring the cost of hockey down, um, or to raise money for, for people that can't, um, afford it. And I know some organizations do that as well. Um, if a child can't afford it, they'll find a way, uh, to make it work and make, uh, ends meet so they could play. What's your favorite thing about the sport? Um, you know, I think right now, as a coach, uh, it's just being able to coach all these young men and um, share in their success and their drive to be successful and make it to the next level. You know, um, it's really the relationship side of things. So now it's my players um, and the coaching staff that I work with. When I played, uh, I was my teammates and um, all the relationships you get out of it. Um, they're the best relationships that I have in life. So that, that's what I love about this game. There's a lot of great people involved in it, uh, that play and coach and, um, are a part of it. Yeah. It seems like those sorts of relationships are forged on the ice and in the locker room end up being close friendships and, um, people forge these really, um, lifelong bonds. Um, so that's, that's always nice to hear about. Do you, I mean, sort of in that vein, like do you, um, in, do you have a favorite memory from, or a couple favorite memories from your career so far? Um, you know, I, I you know what, there's a lot of bus trips, um, with a lot of guys just staying up playing cards at all hours of the night on the way home, um, that are great memories. Um, there's people that, you know, I played with Nick Bootland, um, who was the head coach here before me. So I played with them. We won a championship here together in Kalamazoo. Uh, and then I played for them, uh, for seven years. And then, you know, we coached together for another three years after that. So, um, and that's one of the things, uh, where relationships could take you, you know, that that's the big reason why I got into coaching and why I got an opportunity to do it and, um, why I am where I am now. I mean, you mentioned, um, that you, um, that Jason is one of your mentors, um, maybe just aside from him, like, can you think of coaches whose style you admire or who you might also be in touch with um, for guidance or mentorship or coaches or play former players or current players? Yeah. Well, Nick Bootland's one, you know, that I worked with for a long time. Um, the uh, old football coach here in Kalamazoo at Western Michigan, uh, Tim Lester, uh, our kids play hockey together and uh, he agreed to be my mentor as well. And he taught me a ton, you know, different sport, but, um, you know, uh, just different ways to bring your team together um, from something as simple as affirmations daily with your guys. Like here's a grab a couple guys every morning before every meeting, you know, what are you thankful for? And that's something that's brought so much positivity into our room when you're thankful for things. It's hard to, hard to be negative and have those negative thoughts. So um, he's been a huge uh, influence as well. 
I like that idea about the affirmations. Like, I feel That's like we neat. could all use that. Yeah. And I mean, the buy-in from the group too, when you start something like that, you're not sure, but um, their buy-in's been awesome. Uh, and then, you know, we have pretty small locker room compared to a football team that's a hundred guys. So they could get new people almost, you know, daily throughout their season where sometimes in our room, although we've had quite a bit of turnover thus far, um, but you can start hitting the same people again. And then we started saying, all right, you could give us something you're thankful for or your hero or both, you know, and then you start to learn things about guys where, you know, they start talking about their dad, that's their hero or their mom or what, what have you. So um, that's been really cool to get to know our group as well. One of the things that everyone we've spoken with has stressed is the importance of relationships. This game brings a lot of people together in a lot of different ways. And another thing that really strikes me as we continue to do this podcast is that it's a pretty well-connected industry. Everyone seems to know each other. And for the most part, different organizations do their part to help out. It's it's actually one of the things that I really like about hockey and like learning more about this sport is the sense of belonging and community. Yeah, I feel like there are some really great communities within the hockey community. I do feel like organizations could be doing more. Um, as somebody once told me, you can't tell rich people what to do with their money. But I feel like there are uh, some programs that are really good and things like the BIPOC Coaches Association, they're doing some really great work. And like that sense of community, I've seen it um, in the DC area because I recently went to a Tucker Road Ducks and Baltimore Banners game. Um, we interviewed coaches from both of those places earlier this season. And um, one of the Tucker Road Ducks founders, she volunteers with the Baltimore Banners too. Like she just loves the team so much that she works with them. And there's a local high school coach who does work with the Capitals. And at that particular game, he was refereeing. He stepped in last minute and made sure that the game could happen. And he explained all of his calls to the players, like in an effort to just make them better players. And um, I thought that that was like, there really was a sense of community there of like people coming together to ensure that these kids could play. Yeah. It's so great to hear those stories. I love that you're involved with both of those teams and with Fort DuPont too. Um, we can't have a podcast without talking about coach Neil. So <laughs> no, we let me can't. just throw him in there. Um, and also I like what you said about rich people, you know, and what to do with their money. Um, Ryan Reynolds, we're calling you again. If you want to throw a million towards the Fort DuPont Ice Arena, we would back that. Um, or like 10 million. But one day he will listen to this podcast, right? We can it's only true. Hope. It's true. <laughs> On our next episode, Franz Jean, goaltending coach for the Tampa Bay Lightning, joins us. We are super excited to end our season with a Stanley Cup winner. Thanks for spending an entire hockey period with us. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to rate us wherever you listen. Subscribe to the Minority League podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and on iHeartRadio. Visit us on theminorityleague.com. Follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter and Instagram at TMLpod. This episode was edited by Joe Alvaro, produced by Anar Virji and Manashi Mukherjee.